welcome to the Noon Degree. I am Ben Allen, uh, your host, and I'm bringing you this evening the Noon Degree there and back again. A look at epic journeys, both fictional and merely unbelievable, brought to you by the Nerd Degree, now officially the only website on the internet without a certificate of excellence from TripAdvisor. <laughs> we will journey through epic expeditions, legendary jaunts, and even a couple of cartography catastrophes that prove that while it's true that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, so too does it fall down a flight of stairs. <laughs> So I'm joined, of course, uh, as we are regularly with our two teams of nerds. Uh, we're going to introduce themselves uh, to my right starting ball. I'd like you to introduce yourselves, guys, and tell me your ideal fictional travelling companion. Ooh. Uh, my name's Andrew Todd. Uh, I'm a writer for birthmoviesdeath.com. Um, and my ideal travelling companion um, will probably be... Uh, um, probably be one of the, uh, the sandworms from Dune. <laughs> Uh, right, just because I feel like I feel like we could cover great distances together. Yeah, sure. It's only a very limited terrain set, though. Like, yeah, uh, but um, you know, like uh, I'm I'm, sh- I'm sure like we can we can, I can just like roll it across like a grassy field. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, good. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm playing with Andrew tonight. Uh, good evening, my name is Wedemu Tuhuai, but uh, people call me Woody. Uh, I don't have a blog, I'm not that good, uh, but I am from Wellington, so there's that. Um, so, <laughs> here you are on a podcast. Go figure. Good times, good times. Uh, my uh, fictional character would be Nathan Drake. Uh, from Uncharted. And the Uncharted uh, games. Um, are you worried about the amount of murder that you would commit while you were... <laughs> Well, you were with Nathan Drake. Just I would trailing. not be worried. Well, no. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically because Nathan Drake has wrists of steel. Um, so, you know, if you need him to carry anything or climb up anything. Right, he should maybe. be really good on American Ninja Warrior, I think. Mm, maybe yeah. the best. Um, and tonight, you guys, uh, your team name will be... Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> cool. A song by Journey, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh... And on my left, on my left. Uh, my name is Henry, um, and my ideal travelling companion would be the German Shepherd dog meat uh, from the uh, Fallout 4, uh, mainly because he doesn't judge you for your <laughs> decisions, like when you choose to eradicate uh, synths, mm. for example. Is he hard to keep alive? Like... Well, no, he just whimpers. He whimpers. run over and stimpy him. <laughs> yeah, you stick a syringe in his butt. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm Laura. I'm a travel writer. I came runner-up for the best story about New Zealand last year, which um, my students point out to me is the first loser. Um, <laughs> so that was a bit rough. Um, but my ideal travel companion would be Toto. I'm going to be like All right. Dorothy. Very supportive. Yeah. Very Cuddly, supportive. small. And possible white. emergency food source. If it all goes <laughs> well. and great um, band. Great band. Right, great. And uh, to, tonight, tonight, you guys, uh, your team will be called. Sorry, Ben. Uh, tonight we are. Anyway, you want it. <laughs> anyway, you want it. Another song by Journey. Good, good, good. I'm not singing those all night. Very good. Anyway, you want it. And don't stop believing. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna go. On. It's don't stop believing. Believing. Sorry. Uh, um, to that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're gonna go into uh, the nude quotient as we usually do in the first round. Um, I'm gonna give uh, starting rights. Uh, there's a there's a bonus question here for a point and the right to start. Uh, the original Chinese proverb, uh, "A journey of a thousand uh, miles begins with a single step," is actually 
translates to a journey of a thousand li starts beneath one's feet. Uh, the li or Chinese mile being a unit of measurement that dates back to about 2600 BC. So can anyone tell me how many miles, actual miles, that, uh, that Lao Si, the 6th century BC Chinese philosopher, was actually referring to? Give me a guess. Closest we'll get to start. Laura? 3.6. 3.6, you guys? 2.1. 2.1. 3.10 is the answer we were looking for. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Laura was closest. So, yeah, it literally translates as more about a, a, a journey of about 310 miles. Uh, begins with a single step, which is the same point. I think, really, mm. still. Is it? Yeah. Because, I mean, <laughs> just the range of places you can go in 310 miles versus 1,000 mi- miles. How many miles start with, like, two steps? Two steps. Yeah, but why are we still talking about miles? Could we just make... Well, the, well, the, Chinese, the Chinese Li is now standardised at 500 metres. So there you, there you go. go. So 1,000 a thousand, a thousand Li is about... A, yeah, uh, 500 kilometres, which is about 310 miles. What if it's, what if it's like... Uh, <laughs> A journey of a thousand films starring Christopher Lee. Uh, he made like, that many, so um, like, yeah, you know yeah. that would be quite a marathon. That'd be quite a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys were, were closest over there, uh, anyway. You want it, so I will give you the first question in the net question, which is, how do we know Sauron from Lord of the Rings is a total procrastinator? <laughs> just a big old, just takes his time, just fluffing around. Well, how many pages is Lord of the Rings? Well, there's a lot of pages. I think that would be a pretty good idea. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pretty thick book. Yeah. And the amazing thing about was that as many pages as it was, uh, Peter Jackson somehow managed to make the relatively small <laughs> amount of pages in The Hobbit into an even longer series of films. Um, how, does he, how does he procrastinate? Well, sometimes I know when I'm procrastinating, I'll just like, try not to look at the thing that I'm meant to do, like you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So maybe if he just like, looks the other way. Yeah, isn't it the point with Sauron that he's looking at everything? He's the eye of Sauron. Well, it's, it's Henry Simpson's suggesting, I yeah, think, like, so yeah. the eye of, like, rather than get the ring back, he looks at the eye of Sauron, looks at cleaning up his room or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah, yeah. Not quite. Not quite. Guys, any ideas over here? Well, I mean, in the first film, uh, you know, Frodo puts on the ring and, uh, and, and, and Sauron says, uh, I see you. And he's got, like, these flying beasts that he could unleash at any moment. Um, but he just, like, waits until they're literally on the slopes of Mount Doom uh, to do that. Yeah, yeah you're, you're on the right track here, uh, Andrew. Um, I think I might know the actual answer as well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, in The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, the film version, of course, uh, when uh, Bilbo actually reveals uh, that he's carrying what might be the run wing, uh, one ring at his birthday party, uh, Gandalf dashes off to do some research. Uh, and he goes to a, an ancient library in order to find out what, um, what ring Bilbo has. So uh, then he jumps on his horse when he's done his research and, and he's back to warn Frodo, which is presented as happening more or less overnight, uh, except that the, the library we see again sort of microfishing away in is uh, <laughs> actually in Minas Tirith, which is the place that takes most of three movies to get to. Um, so I mean, that's only, that's only like six hours, though. Yeah, well, no, people have, have worked this out that uh, if you take Middle-earth, the map, as being approximately Western and Central Europe, which Tolkien recommends, it's pretty much as if Gandalf jumps on a horse and rides from France to Greece uh, <laughs> and then back again, uh, during which time Sauron's not doing anything, apparently. He's just waiting for... <laughs> For getting up to check out some library books, uh, maybe well, he like, maybe he telegrammed himself. Like maybe maybe he sent a, like a, like a shadow fax of himself. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Minus one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. 
So he's just sitting around uh, with his hands in his pockets here. So um, people have done these distance comparisons, of course, because nerds. Um, <laughs> has anyone got any idea of how long Sam and uh, Frodo's walk from Bag's End to Mount Doom actually is? A thousand Lee. A thousand Lee. <laughs> and yet it begins with a single step. It does. It's longer than that. Quite a lot so longer. Just than walking that. from Bag End to Mount Just Doom. walking from Bag End to. In a, like, in a straight line. Like, yeah, this is there? pretty much as as the, the, as the giant eagle should have flown. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> All right, so wait, are we talking distance or time? Yeah, distance. distance. Oh, distance. Um, I'm going to say uh, about um, 500, uh, the equivalent of 500 trips down to the corner shop to get an ice cream. <laughs> More than that. Whoa. Yeah, unless you live quite a long way from your corner shop. Well, <laughs> I, do. I do, so. Yeah. Uh, it's about it's about two thousand one hundred and seventy two kilometres, wow. uh, which is about fifty k's more than a straight line between Cape Ringer and Bluff. So they walk the length of New Zealand to get there, pretty much <laughs> yeah. a bit, yeah. bit more. Uh, in New Zealand, of course, it is a little bit easier. Why? Because uh, I know this one. There's a yes. group of people on the internet that did it. They walked yes. from uh, Hobbiton um, in the Hobbiton set in the North Island to uh, Mount Tongariro? Narahoe. Narahoe, yeah. which was used as Mount Doom. So um, they just walked that distance. Yeah, which is only 200 k's. Yeah, so oh, only. It's, it's only yeah, 200 k's. Like a tenth of the distance. Uh, they didn't, didn't bare feet as well. They put Hobbit feet on. Yeah, there's quite an it's entertaining video series. <laughs> uh, so very hairy. A few points there. I think Andrew was getting, winning closest overall. So uh, don't stop believing this. Next one's for you. Mm. Who placed the following classified advertisement? Men wanted for hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness. <laughs> Safe return, doubtful, honour and recognition in the event of success. Uh, I'm guessing this is a, this is a polar explorer mm. of some kind. Um, and I'm tempted just to say an old-timey first name, uh, <laughs> a, 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 type of, a type of large bird of prey, and then a, a last name of some sort. Um, uh, so I'm going to... This, this Scott. It wasn't Scott. Uh, it wasn't Scott. Was it Shackleton? It was Shackleton. Yeah. Well done, Laura. Oh. Give a round of applause to everybody. Oh, yes. Shackleton. Because really, he mm. understood the conditions a little bit. Yeah, than well, Scott, Ernest, so. Ernest Shackleton probably the least, most excitingly, uh, excitingly named polar explorer, as we'll discuss <laughs> a little bit later on. Mm. But this, this, uh, uh, I don't know. Fridjof Nansen. Yeah, Fridjof Nansen. Great name. Um, he. This was supposedly an, an advertisement uh, he placed in the Times of London for his 1913 Transantarctic expedition, which was aimed to make the first overland crossing in Antarctica. Sadly, though, like most of his stories, he probably actually didn't. Uh, nobody can find this advertisement in its original uh, form. Have they gone to Minas Tirith? They got to go to the library. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a library. <laughs> Maybe they could go. Um, so microfiche. It looks like somebody made it up. Um, can anybody tell me what happened to Shackleton's 1913 Transantarctic expedition? Uh, uh, they. <laughs> Someone <laughs> in the audience just said everything. Everything really did. Um, uh, they, um, they, they shacked up with a family of yetis um, <laughs> and formed a uh, colony with um, between between the yetis and also the thing. Um, uh, where, and, and created an entirely new species. That'd be very lost because the, Yeti, the Yetis are in the Himalayas, right? So they had to go. That's a very lost Yetis transatlantic expedition, right? 
this is the expression though that they didn't get across Antarctica, they did but they not, did go a long way because the, uh, yeah, they get they didn't. Uh, not only did they not get across Antarctica, they did not get to Antarctica. No, did they um, get icebound? Yes. Yeah, so and so then, they were sailing down to Antarctica to where they wanted to go across. Um, and, and and then you said they as you said they got icebound. Do you know what happened to them after they got icebound? Well, they got out of the ice, but not in that boat, in another boat, because then yeah. they went to Elephant Island. So they were they were trapped in the ice for eight months on the boat, uh, and then when they got out of their boat, when it sank, uh, and they they lived <laughs> on floating ice floes for another seven months, uh, and then they got to to an island called Elephant Island, uh, setting foot on land for the first time in four hundred ninety seven days. <laughs> Uh, and then Shackleton and a few of his men uh, set out to sea immediately to get help in a, in, a, in a lifeboat. But, Ben, did you know? Sorry, I do know about yes. this. Yes. Do you know the other 14 men that they left behind lived under the other lifeboat? Yes. There were 14 guys under a lifeboat for about a year yeah. while Shackleton climbed yeah. the mountain. It was truly the most Georgia. insane thing. And in order to make his, uh, his lifeboat more seaworthy, uh, he talked to his chips carpenter, who managed to make it more seaworthy using wax and seals' blood. <laughs> That's what they had. Uh, so, so they got in this lifeboat. Um, Shackleton and his crew then sailed the lifeboat through a Southern Ocean hurricane uh, over 1,500 kilometres to land on uh, South Georgia, which had a whaling station on it to get help. But he landed on the wrong side from the from the whaling station, so he had to cross the interior of South Georgia, which was totally unexplored. Climbing over a three uh, three thousand meter mountain range that nobody had ever caught, uh, in order to get to the station. And then, as Laura said, he got back in and he rescued every single one of his men, thus completing the best complete and utter failure in history. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty good. Uh, and then uh, Shackleton. Does anyone know what happened to Shackleton in the end? Uh, didn't they make fridges named after him? <laughs> uh, he, um, he, uh, he actually wasn't originally named Shackleton, but he got, uh, he got shackled to a ton of bricks for his failure and thrown into the Thames. <laughs> that would have been a bit more interesting than what happened. I mean, he, just, he, he was like, let's go back to Antarctica again, and he was arranging uh, money for another insane expedition, <laughs> and he died of a heart attack. So before... <laughs> Well, Probably the to the thing. relief of anyone that wanted to join his crew. Like, that, would be, that would be like one of the worst Kickstarters ever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Want to go back to goals, like, we'll, yeah. we'll make it this time. <laughs> yeah. We'll actually get to Antarctica. But, but look, can I just point out, it would be more successful than Scott's second Antarctic <laughs> expedition, mm, which would not have um, a good basis. The, this is, the, kind of, this is the, the heroic age of Antarctic explorations when uh, three guys were also died... In advance of Shackleton's uh, mission, going to Antarctica to lay supplies for Shackleton's mission. <laughs> did they get to Antarctica? Yeah, they did get to Antarctica. But, uh, so there's all those supplies there. Just, yeah, just, just waiting. It could be yours. Uh, get I'll, down I'll there just, now. I'll just be right back. We've got lots of points there. Uh, the lifeboat, if you want to go and see it, is at a, uh, a school in London, apparently. Still, they've, they've preserved it. Okay, uh, anyway, you want to, what makes Son Goku from Dragon Ball Z <laughs> so irrepressible? I've never watched Dragon Ball Z, so Henry, do you want to leap in here? <coughs> no, you don't. No, I'm not, I'm not really no, an authority on... Yeah, I know nothing about this as well, but I discovered an interesting fact. I'm going to give it to you all. Andrew made a noise. Mm, I did. Yeah. It was like... Mm. <laughs> well, I made a noise as well. Do I get a point for well, that? Well, yeah, but you get a point for that. <laughs> can, you, can you make uh, a Son Goku noise? Can you make a, like, a noise that he makes in Dragon Ball Z? Uh, no, it's no, not that. No. Like... <gasps> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next week on Dragon Balls. 
I'm going to say is, is uh, because he's based on the same uh, ancient Chinese character, uh, like person character, not not like written character. Um, although he was actually a written character in a, in a book, so this is really going well. Um, uh, who, on, upon whom uh, this TV series Monkey is based, The Monkey King. That is exactly um, right. Give everyone, Andrew, give everyone a round of applause. Also, also played by Jet Li and uh, appeared on Sesame Street. Yeah, yeah. So the Dragon Ball franchise turns out to be based on Journey to the West, uh, which is the 16th century Chinese novel about the travails of Sun Wukong, the Monkey King. Uh, what was it called, sir? Uh, Journey to the West. Don't stop. Which was recorded in uh, California, which is on the, the west coast of the United States. In 1981. Yeah. Uh, now, Junior to the West. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are just making it up. No, we're not. You look it up earlier. You can Google that shit. <laughs> okay. Um, I'd like you to tie this into this next fact. Um, Got it. <laughs> Junior to the West was actually based on a, a real life a, a Buddhist monk called Juan Zhang, who did travel to the western regions. Um, where were those? Does anyone know where he went? It took 17 years to get there. It was a long journey. Mongolia? Mongolia, not quite. He did start from Siberia. China. Siberia. What about, like, um, Turkey? Turkey. Not quite that far. Oh. I'm trying to figure out which way's west in my head. So. <laughs> I call them the western regions anyway. He actually went to India. Uh, yeah, he oh. went to India basically to get some library books again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he wanted to get some sacred uh, Buddhist texts. Um, which he, he met a mighty 17-year overland journey to India. Man, um, how, how overdue are those books going to yeah, be? Yeah, he is. He took <laughs> them back. By the time he gets home and reads them. I know. A lot of them are still in China as well, so he, he said that the fine is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> a bit like Gandalf's books, right? Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, so his, his, uh, the record of his travels is one of the primary sources for the study of medieval Asia and India. So th- thanks for being a good diarist there, uh, <laughs> uh So one more question uh, in this round uh, for Don't Stop Believing. Which lesser known journey of a famous traveller turned out pretty well for Charlton Heston? Ooh. Um, turned out pretty well for Charlton Heston. Um, I want to say it was uh, the journey... It was, it was a journey of um, uh, Jane Goodall, uh, who was uh, studying... <laughs> <laughs> uh, studying, studying, uh, studying primates, um, and she travelled to a. Like she's most known for travelling to Africa, um, but um, she travelled to a different planet, um, which turned out to be Earth all along. Um, you've actually got you're you're on the right track. <laughs> no, he <laughs> isn't. <Yeah>. Surely. <laughs> Um, except Jane, Jane Goodall uh, just uh, just stayed more or less where she was, of course. But um, if, I, if I look over here to my, <laughs> to my left, yeah. and I can see a book that Laura's brought along, and it might give her a big clue. Gulliver's Travel, the Gulliver's vintage Travel. Ladybird edition. Wow. Uh, because mm. it was much shorter than the other edition I have, and I had to read it quickly this afternoon. <laughs> um, do you mean the place that I can't pronounce? Brobingnad. Brobdingnag. That's Brobdingnag. the one. Brobdingnag. So Brobdingnag. So, so Gulliver, uh, Gulliver's Travels is actually in four parts. Uh, the one that everybody knows is, is the first part where he goes to Lilliput. So, some adaptations have the Brobdingnag, which is the land of the giants. Uh, but he also made a, a third and a fourth voyage. Uh, he made a voyage to Laputa, Bilinabari, Lugnag and Glubdubdrib in part three. <laughs> uh, anyone has a, a guess as to the, the nature of Laputa? 
we had we had midgets and then giants. Would anyone guess what the third uh, word was? Just normal people. Just normal people. They I was going to say, um, uh, oh, is this related to the, the Studio Ghibli film, Laputa? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> Laputa is, a, is a, a flying island. Yeah, Castle in the Sky. Yeah, there, there you go. So, so there you go. Uh, and his fourth journey, uh, which is called A Voyage to the Country of the Hoonhims. Uh, and the Country of the Hoonhims is one ruled over by wise, sentient horses who rule over uh, human beings in a base form and they use for manual labour. Uh, Gulliver is mistaken for one of these base humans by the Hoonhims until he proves his intelligence to the ruling elite by the use of language. And then he enters their household and tells his master about the way horses are treated in England, which the Hoonham, of course, cannot believe. Just as the English would never believe there was a place where humans were ruled by horses. Eventually, the Hoonhams collectively conclude that Gulliver is a threat to their society and expel him. Is this sounding familiar to anyone, this basic plot? Uh, isn't that... Um, is it Planet of the Apes? It's Planet of the Apes. Except it was Planet of the Horses. So it was Planet of the Apes. Some 240 years before Planet of the Apes was actually written. Pierre Boulle uh, needs, is, is a goddamn plagiarist. Maybe. I think it sounds more like My Little Ponies. My Little Ponies? Although <laughs> 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 you get, get your hooves off me, you damn dirty horse, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't have quite the same ring about it. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't be able to speak if you had uh, horse hooves on you. Pierre Boulle, uh, of course, the author. Is, does anyone know the, the other novel he wrote that was turned into another very famous movie? The Matrix. <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, it was, it was uh, The Bridge Over the River Kwai he also wrote. There you go, quite a double act. Good, so that brings us to the end of uh, Nerd Quotient. Uh, Karen, I failed to introduce you before, but I assume you're still there. <laughs> Maybe you just nodded off, got on a great journey of your own. Um, how are we? How are you? Well, I've just come back from the corner shop. You good? <laughs> I would like to report that Don't Stop Believin' has 15 points. Mm. Anywhere You Want It has 13 points. Would be 14, except I took one off for terrible puns. <laughs> and Una Shackleton has 25 for oh, Best yeah. Failure Ever. Yeah. Their yeah. Best Failure Ever. I think we can give a big round of applause for Una Shackleton. I really hope Erno, Sh- Erno Shackleton can rack up some more points as a well, show yeah. goes on. You never know. <laughs> um, so this next round is called, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Uh, I'm going to name, uh, I'm going to want you guys to buzz in when you think you can name the fictional or historical traveller from the stops along their route that I will mm. tell you. So the, this <laughs> is their journey. Uh, so the first one is London to Suez to Bombay to Calcutta to Hong Kong to Yokohama to San Francisco to New York and then back to London. Oh, a complete circuit, fuck. if you will. Um, I know. Fuck. <laughs> um, can we name the the text? We'll need the character, but you can start with a text. It might uh, give you. Yes, um, Andrew. Would that be from Around the World in Eighty Days? It is Around the World in Eighty Days, and the the lead character, and also his manservant, make this journey. I'm going to say Han Solo and Chewbacca. Yes, that is absolutely correct. No, no, guys. Can uh, Steve Coogan and Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan, yes. <laughs> Who are oh, playing? Oh, is it, uh, is, it, um, is it Phineas Fogg? Phineas Fogg. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, his, his French manservant, Passepartout, as played by Jackie Chan <laughs> in the film version. 
Okay, the next one is oh, oh. Um, Bridge, Island, Sea, Mermaid Kingdom. Is this a treasure map that you're following? Like a crudely. It is a map. A map is followed. Bridge, Island, Sea, Mermaid Kingdom. I see some blank faces. I'll give you some more information. Okay. Seashell Bridge, Pirate Island, Silly Sea, Mermaid Kingdom. Did your children write this question? No. (laughs) But they probably enjoyed it. Silly Sea. Uh. Uh, bonus points oh for answers on Espanol. Oh. 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 Ay, ay, ay. Uh, I don't. Uh, no one. No one. We're looking for one of the greatest travellers of the modern historical era. <laughs> the modern, modern historical era. Yeah. Like, yeah. What are you referring to? Audience. Yeah, Dora the Explorer. <laughs> yes. Of course. And, of course, you have the map actually gives you the verbal instructions as well, ah, so it's quite... Yeah. It's all spelled out. Yeah. Uh, the next it's one... It's really uh, exploring, though, is it? Yeah, well, no, I guess... Maybe she never knows like, what she's going to find at the silly sea. Dora the instruction follower doesn't yeah. have quite yeah, the like, same yeah. ring to it, though, does it? <laughs> Dora the conformist. Yeah. <laughs> that <show is> bullshit. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Uh, next one. Earth, Jupiter, Saturn, Titan, the heliopause... And then interstellar space. Andrew. Uh, that is Matthew McConaughey <laughs> uh, in interstellar? Maybe. Uh, maybe. It's not what I'm looking for. Oh. Wait. Carry on. Okay. <laughs> oh. Um. <laughs> uh, is this every Destiny player? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nobody, no, Disney players don't get to go to, to Jupiter or Saturn or Titan. We're all waiting for that, those levels to come out. Yeah, they never will. Uh, this, is a, this, is a, this is an actual uh, non-fictional uh, <gasps> object. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Voyager? Voyager, yes, Voyager. Uh, Voyager number one. Uh, Voyager number two went via Uranus and Neptune as well. Does anyone know how fast Voyager is going at the moment? Pretty fast. Pretty fast. Yep. 17 kilometres a second, uh, or about 61,000 kilometres an hour. Space cops ain't going to be so happy. So what's that in Lee? In Lee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and the journey did not begin with a single step either. It began with a rocket, like, thrusting. Um, ancient Chinese proverb is bullshit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's relatively late, uh, compared, of course, to the Juno probes, which had just got to Jupiter, which during their approach got to 266,000 kilometres an hour, which is the fastest man-made object Go us. Um, okay, this one is the journey from the Snæfells Jökull volcano in Iceland to Italy's Stromboli volcano. Do you want the name of the volcano? No, I want who. I want uh, the, the, the the journey that was made between those two volcanoes. Joe. <laughs> Joe from. Joe versus the volcano? No. <laughs> no. That would be, that'd be Joe it, versus two volcanoes. Was it Dante in Dante's Peak? But Pierce Brosnan? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> set, set in Iceland. I don't recall that. It seemed like a small town in America, but you might, you might struggle on this one. Uh, we, we're about that same, same author as Around the World in 80 Days, in fact. Oh. I think that's oh. a clue. It is a clue. Andrew's got some good sound He effects. makes good noises. Mm. 
The audience knows again, guys. Um, the audience is wonderful. Huh? The audience, so... audience, would you like to fill the panelists in? <laughs> oh, not quite. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Journey, journey to the centre of the earth. Well done. Uh, give that audience oh. member a round of applause. Yeah. Of I, think, I think that might be Ernest Shackleton in the front row. As well. <laughs> <laughs> Getting some more points. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, the, the journey through the centre of the earth. You can't quite follow that route today. Um, <laughs> Professor Otto Liedenbrock, his nephew mm. Axel, and their guide Hans are the, the three guys in there. Is that, is that Liedenbrock as played by The Rock? The, the Rock. Uh, yeah, I think he saw <laughs> Brendan Fraser. Was in there. Yeah. Oh, Brendan. Uh, okay, um, this one I don't think is going to take you too long, I would hope. Uh, Troy, the island of the Sikonis, mm. the island of the Lotus Eaters, the island of the Cyclops, the uh, yes, Laura. Odysseus. Odysseus. Well, I'll give them a round of applause here, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, so it took, it took uh, Odysseus famously 10 years to get home. Uh, but seven years of that was, was doing one thing. What was, what was that? Does anyone know? Partying. Kind of. Was it with Medusa? No, Snake Lady. Snake Lady. Probably here. Medusa. Medusa. Yeah, yeah. Cool. didn't he get stuck on her island? He got stuck on the island of uh, Calypso. Uh, but do you know what's really tragic? It's really what his wife had to do. Yeah. So while he was stuck on the island with Calypso for seven years, he was having an affair with her uh, while his wife was just waiting patiently for her to come home. But she, but she wasn't really. She was no. like knitting and then unknitting every night. Which is a big effort. Off. <laughs> to fend off suitors faithfully while he was bonking a nymph on, an island, on a Greek island. Um, so so the, the distance from where Troy was thought to have been uh, to Ithaca in a straight line, I got this out on Google Earth, uh, is, is about 510 kilometres, uh, which is almost exactly the same as between Christchurch and where? Anyone? Somewhere 500 kilometres 510 away. kilometres away or about uh, 10 li? Uh, no, 100 li. Um, I think it was 500, 500 metres. 500 metres. Yeah, and I drove to Dunedin recently. I think that was about 390 kilometres. 390? Well, uh, I think. Yeah, a little bit, but a little bit further north. Uh, New uh, Plymouth. Rotorua. New Plymouth. <laughs> so if Odysseus had finished the Trojan War and probably hopped on an Air New Zealand AATR 72, <laughs> he would have been home in an hour and 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so book your flights early. Um, okay, uh, this, uh, this character made four journeys uh, from New York to San Francisco by way of Denver and then back again. Uh, from Rocky Mount to San Francisco by way of New Orleans, uh, from Denver to New York by way of San Francisco, and then from New York to Mexico City by way of Denver. Uh, What's in Denver? I do you like Denver? I think it's just kind of in the middle. It's a hub. Yeah. Hunter S. Thompson. Mm, almost right here. Inspired, inspired a generation of beatniks. Kerouac. Kerouac, yes. Oh, yes, Kerouac. So his novel On the Road, Cell... Uh, Paradise is the name of that character. And one more. Uh, the mouth of the Ravuma River to Lake Malawi, Lake Mweru, Lake Bangwilu, the Lualaba River, Nyangwe, and Ujiji. Dr. Livingston? Dr. Livingston. Well done, Laura. <laughs> Very good. That was one of his many expeditions, his 1866 expedition uh, in Tanzania. What was he looking for? Some water. Some water, pretty much. Uh, he found a series of lakes. He was looking for the source of the Nile. Ah. I was actually right about yes, that Yes, you were. You were. Even though somebody had already found it three years before he started. <laughs> <laughs> and Lake Victoria um, 
And he, Livingston was like, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm just going to go. <laughs> uh, he's an amazing, amazing story, uh, Livingston, if you want to look him up. He's a number of great quotes. He, he wanted to find the source of the Nile so he could get famous enough to abolish the slave trade, which is what he was out to doing. Uh, there's a couple of good quotes. I am prepared to go anywhere provided it be forward. And I have drunk water swarming with, swarming with insects, thick with mud and putrid with rhinoceros urine and buffalo dung. So, what, was the, what, what was his point there? Well, he, it, was a, it was a rough time. Uh, at one Is point, he, he, he ended up completely out of supplies and ended up in an African village, the only white man, for 500 miles, and he had to eat his meals in a roped-off enclosure for the entertainment of the locals. Uh, <laughs> in return for food. Um, for so, those meals. Yeah, for those meals. And then, to no one's surprise, he died of intestinal disease. Uh, so, well done, everyone. A few points. Well done, Laura. Very good. Uh, how are we going on schools there, Karen? Well, Don't Stop Believing is riding high on 27 points. Don't stop believing. <laughs> but Anywhere You Want It has surged from behind to come to 31. And I have an interesting fact about Around the World in 80 Days. Would you like to hear it? Yes, we yeah. would. Right. In 1888, intrepid New York journalist Nellie Bly, who was the, the progenitor of travel writers like Laura, uh, <laughs> challenged her editor that she could do the journey around the world in 80 days. So she set out to do it, and she did it in 72. Take that, Phineas Fogg. <laughs> Take that, Phineas. Slow off the mark. Give them a round of applause, everybody. Okay, we're now on to the bad for your elf round. Uh, I mentioned before uh, about the heroic age of Antarctic exploration. So there were a lot of a lot of guys that had interesting names. You not only had to be a goddamn hero to go to Antarctica and the heroic age uh, age of exploration, but you had to have a particularly amazing name. Um, perhaps just following the proud footsteps of the European discoverer of the continent, whose name was Fabian Gottlieb Thaddeus von Bellinghausen. <laughs> So, in honour of, uh, of Fabian uh, Bellinghausen and good old Robert Falcon Scott, uh, I'm going to give you guys a, a list of the names of real names of, um, of explorers from the heroic age of Antarctic exploration. Because of Robert Falcon Scott, I've included middle names. Um, but, um, so, I would like you to read these out. Um, don't stop believing. You're going to have to guess, of course, if these are actual people mm-hmm. or if they're just making them up. So... Off you go, team with heroic mm. explorers. I can tell you I'm going to have to make a few of these up because I don't know if I can pronounce, pronounce the real them. Pronounce them, yeah, ones, I know. But we'll, we'll give it a go. Um, John Stabs William. <laughs> uh, I'm looking in Henry's eyes right now and he's just like, he's just grinning like a, like a, like a John who's about to stab a William. Um... <laughs> I think if it had two Bs... Does it have two Bs? Stabs. John Stabs. S-T-A-B-B-S. Like like it, it sounds like a name, but it, it could be real. Oh. Um, yeah. Like John, you know. John Stabs. Williams. Williams. <laughs> so you guys think, you think it might be a career? Was it, was it John Stabs Williams or William? William. Oh, William. I'm going to say... Oh, nobody's last name is William. No. No. What about Prince William? <laughs> <laughs> Prince William's first name is not Prince. <laughs> are <laughs> um, uh, we going to say uh, no? That's, that's it is think. false. It was you guys who almost tempted it. And it was very clever of Henry because the explorer's actual name is William Spears Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is a real name and not a description of something that just happened. Uh, so let's try another one there, guys. Um, I've got Eric Johan Nielsen. Hello, I'm Eric Johan Nielsen. That could be... Seems feasible. Seems feasible. Eric? Yeah, yeah, Eric Johan. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Eric Johan Nielsen? Yeah. No. No. no, that name was way too normal. Uh, uh, Laura has yeah. just taken the first part of Eric Dagobert von Dreigelf. <laughs> I couldn't say the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, who was from Germany. Have another go. Um, which one can I say? Shiraz Nobu. Coming in. Shiraz Nobu. I don't know if my pronunciation is correct. Well, could, could just be faking you out there on there, couldn't I? Maybe Shirase? Shirase Nobu? Ooh, I'm going to say that's, that's, uh, I'm going to say that's true. I think it's true. It is true. The leader of the Japanese yeah, Antarctic Expedition like of 1913. Yeah. Shirase Nobu. Uh, maybe, maybe a couple more. Okay. Well, it sounds a bit like a Star Wars name, doesn't mm. it? Mm. I'm going to go with Baron Adrian Victor Joseph De Gerlash de Gomery. Oh. <laughs> you had me like, nah, nah, and then the, ooh, mm. De Gerlash de Gomery. De Gomery. It's the double gur. De, go- de Gomery. Is that a real name? Well, it could, it could be like a three part last name. You don't know. Like, like, de Gerlash de Gomery. Yeah. De Gerlash de Gomery. De Gerlash de Gomery. There's like a, fr- like a Hungarian dish. It's like a famous. <laughs> de Gerlash de Gomery. <laughs> How would you like a gulag? De Gomery. De Gomery. Um, <laughs> but easy on the Marie. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> ooh, I, I feel like there are too many names in that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I think that's fake. I think it's fake. combined fake. other names in. Fake. Yeah. Baron Adrian Victor Joseph de Gulag de Gomery was Belgium's most famous. God. Uh, <laughs> and uh, do, do one more, guys. Uh, Jean Paul June. Jean Paul June. Jean Valjean. Jean, Jean Valjean. Was, was definitely not an Antarctic <laughs> explorer. Um, uh, sorry, can you pronounce it again, please? Jean Paul Jeune. Jean Paul Jeune. Doesn't sound that weird. Well, he, it um, says French, so I think it's uh, Oh, does it? Does yeah. it? It says French, does it? It does French. say French. Oh. Yeah. That's the accent. Mm. Yeah. Jean Paul. And, and the name. <laughs> 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 Sorry, it could be it could be Jean Paul. Yeah, Jean Paul. Jean Paul. Jean Paul. Oh, I, I don't know. It doesn't sound very. It doesn't sound very weird. Yeah. Nah. No. Yeah, uh, your instincts to say that was not weird enough uh, were correct because uh, France's representative on this list is Jean Baptiste Auguste Etienne Charcot, uh, <laughs> whose whose ex- polar exploring ship was called the Why Not. <laughs> <laughs> The charming sweetance of a Frenchman. Yeah. Uh, the answer to that question is the Shackleton Transantarctic Expedition. I think. Oh, very good, very good. Right. Um, so, guys, I'm going to give you over here a, a list now. Uh, this is a list of items uh, that were prepared in 1803 for the Lewis and Clark Expedition. Okay. to go across uh, the United States of America. There's some 180 itemised items on this mm-hmm. list. Uh, Lewis prepared it all himself. He spent $2,324 on gear, which amounts to about $50,000 today. So this is just some of the, the 180 items that they took with them, guys. If you'd like to take it away over there, don't stop believing. All right. Um, 
three bushels of salt. Is that really how you measure salt in a bushel? It was then. Hang on, when was this journey? 1803. They started. It took two years and four months. Yeah, I say true. It is true. They did take three bushels of salt. Wow, wow. I don't know how much is a bushel, I don't know, but they had three of them full of salt. <laughs> Uh, 420 pounds of bearskin. Pounds the currency, pounds the weight. Uh, weight, sorry. I'm saying false, because where did they get all the bearskins from mm. at the beginning of the journey? Wouldn't you collect those as you go along? False. Oh, good reasoning, Laura. <laughs> tonight. No, they didn't take bearskin because they shot all the bears on the way. Uh, they did take 420 pounds of something, uh, which was lead. They took 420 pounds of, <laughs> of well, lead with them. Yeah, with? so they could yeah. make bullets oh. along the way. <laughs> they didn't just take bullets. That's right. <laughs> they t- I don't know why they didn't pre-make the bullets, but they took 420 pounds of lead. We're going to sea. We're going to go to sea with these planks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, try it, try um, 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 40 tankards of whiskey. I'm going to say false, because isn't a tankard an open yeah. drinking thing? If it was barrels, I probably would have <laughs> Yeah, probably or have bottles or... Tanks, mm. but a tankard like they'd be balanced, like it'd be a hard way to travel, right? Yeah, so, some sort of like, um, they'd be barmaids to carry them, these, yeah. yeah. And they don't, oh, it also says of uh, 20 barmaids. <laughs> <laughs> Laura has nailed you. I'm gonna give it to you now because your deceptions aren't coming. They keep nailing you on the units of measurement. Oh my God. That's right, the Lewis and Clark expedition was not some kind of traveling German beer festival, <laughs> they did not take 40 tankers of whiskey. They actually, had a, they actually had a plan to, to make spirits as they went along. They got a whole lot of spirit-making equipment, but uh, they didn't take whiskey. They didn't mix it up with the lead-making no. lead equipment. A full-volume dictionary. Well, naturally, who doesn't go without mm, one of those? I, yeah. I know I don't. I've got all 42 volumes in my car. I know. Oh. I know I only bought the Ladybird editions of my <laughs> travel books in, but, yeah, that's right, in the boot of my station wagon. It's just loaded. So you think they did take it? Yeah. yeah, they well, I think I think we're just trying to be tricky there, but they did take a full vo- volume encyclopedia, commonly called Owen's Dictionary. So I think we're going to have to give you that one. Uh, that book supposedly contained all the branches of useful knowledge. Uh, <laughs> it's probably what I mean. Useful good, knowledge, good reference material. <laughs> uh, try a couple more over there, guys. Um, four pewter penis syringes. Is it, a, is, it, is it a syringe in which you administer a penis, or is it? That's up to you to decide. Didn't didn't syphilis get taken back to Europe from America? So didn't my understanding? I don't think so because didn't Henry Henry VIII had syphilis, didn't he? Yeah, but Columbus was before that. Oh, maybe he did. Maybe Columbus had sex with Henry VIII. No, no, no. I'm getting confused. But maybe they there was definitely definitely they definitely had syphilis at that point. They might be taking medicines to... Pewter syringes? Penis, <laughs> penis syringes? The effects on their penises? Penis syringes, that's, that's what it says. Pewter ones. Pewter, four of them. Four. Penis syringes. What do, you th- what do you think, guys? Do they have those in their, in their chattels? I totally think they did, but four? <laughs> <laughs> Why take... Four of them? False, false. <laughs> Two for each guy. Never take four penis syringes when you need eight penis syringes. <laughs> They did take four pewter penis syringes, uh, anticipating that they would get venereal disease, in which case the pr- pr- procedure at the time was to inject mercury into the guy's penis. 
so they were or anus. So they weren't syringes for administering penises. They weren't penis-shaped syringes for. They were specifically. They were just syringes. Syringes, but they were specifically penis syringes. One's penis. Yes, that's right. If I picked a peck of pewter penis. Were they filled with mercury, or did they oh, take they, the they mercury, mercury separately? They took mercury with them. They, they had a whole lot of mercury. They double as a thermometer. That'd yeah. be handy. Oh, a rectal thermometer. You don't want them slowly using the same amount of mercury as they go through, just like around different guys. Like we've still we've got the one syringe full of mercury, and we just. <laughs> yeah. How, isn't there any, how many guys did you say there were? Thirty-three. Oh, thirty-three. Oh, so only four. They yeah. only took four right. pewter penis syringes. One between eight. And do do one more. Sure. One, yeah, one large wooden canoe. Or did they take the wood to build one large wooden canoe? <laughs> 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 but I mean, it could be, but if you encounter a river, I guess you'd, but then surely you'd need more than one. That's a lot to carry, a canoe. Yes, but they're taking 420 pounds of lead. Yeah, that's true. They're not, they're not, What's they're not worried about what they're... Hoping to shoot a wild canoe if they saw it. <laughs> that's true. I say true. Yeah. It is true. Uh, they did take a large wooden canoe, which was the smallest of the three boats that they took with them across, across America. Uh, well, uh, yeah, among just, other... Can I just, like, I just want to ask a question about one of these items. Yes. Um, it says 150 pounds of portable soup. Yes. Portable soup uh, was a thick paste uh, concocted by boiling down beef, eggs and vegetables. Uh, it was used as a trail ration of last resort of nobody. <laughs> Nothing else was, and by all accounts, they ate, they never ate it unless they were absolutely starving to death. Wow! <laughs> Is it like stock cubes? Well, like kind of like the reduced beef, eggs, and vegetables reduced, 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 so it never goes off, and kind of like a thick, odious paste. Like apparently. miso. Yeah, yeah, a bit like that. Um, soup. Yeah, so they also took eight ounces of powdered rhubarb, uh, four vials of phosphorus, 144 small cheap-looking glasses. I took a lot of stuff. Um, but well done, some, some good answers there. Karen, some heavy scoring there, I think. Uh, that round with, what's it? All right, I've got to count things now. Yeah, Okay, yep. Yeah. All right, so Don't Stop Believing has 31 points. <laughs> but previously, that's where Anywhere You Want It stopped, and they have now made it to 39. Oh. Also, I can tell you about the origins of syphilis. Oh, do yes. Right. Okay, so there are two hypotheses. There is the Columbian and the pre-Columbian hypotheses. One is that Columbus brought back syphilis from the Americas, uh, probably uh, as a result jar. of rapine and pillage. Um, and the pre-Columbian hypothesis is that people in Europe already had syphilis but didn't recognise it as such. Ooh previous. So, I don't know, they were sitting around and people's bits were falling off and they didn't think that that was oh, I'm a disease. <laughs> no, but that's because syphilis has um, a really long extended third stage. It does. There's a first stage where you feel sick, apparently, and I'm saying apparently because I don't know from experience, <laughs> um, a second stage where there's a rash and then a third stage which can last up to 20 years mm. where you have no symptoms at all and then your nose drops off. And, you know, previously you've probably died already. I'm glad we learned so much about venereal disease tonight. It's really good. It's really good. So uh, give uh, Don't Stop Believing a round of applause, everybody, in the lead, mother. Hang on. Hang Thanks. on, Ben. Thanks, Ben. We appreciate that, yeah. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Uh, I've confused, we, I've we confused totally my I've confused my journey tracks. Uh, <laughs> God, they've only got two songs. You wouldn't think it'd be that hard. Oh, okay. on, separate ways. Okay. Faithfully. Um, any way you want it. Loving touches. My apologies. Me. I mean, come on. Okay, that brings us to the final round uh, of the show. 
A lot of the journeys, the epic journeys, of course, have been made. A lot of the a lot of the venereal diseases have now been brought back. But uh, there's still some frontiers left to cross, of course. And what we're talking about doing now, of course, is sending somebody to Mars. Um, so both teams, I would like you to imagine yourselves as bidding for the right to lead uh, the journey or expedition to create humanity's first colony on Mars. Um, and, and, and we'd like to hear your case about why you're the better choice to be put in charge, how you're going to overcome problems like hum, you know, hunger, boredom, loneliness, uh, unexpected dangers. Um, so, so let's start uh, with Don't Stop Believing. Um, let's hear from you why you guys are, are, are ideal to lead our Mars mission to establish our first colony on another planet. Well, as everyone knows, uh, it's uh, very difficult to survive on Mars. Yes. Um, we uh, have, have made our careers out of surviving in really harsh environments. Right, yep. Um, uh, Theatres with uh, very few audience. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, just for example. Yep. Yes. Um, uh, Woody, Woody lives in Wellington and probably has to walk along uh, Courtney Place um, late night <laughs> on a weekend. <laughs> Yeah, so what, what do you, what, how do you oversee like what, what will you take with you uh, to Mars? Like, uh, on, your, on your, your own Lewis and Clark list, uh, what, what do you guys think is essential to, to get with you on the expedition? Uh, every piece of literature written about Mars. Right, right. Um, Kim Stanley Robinson's uh, Red Mars trilogy. Right, uh, right. The uh, awful movie that is Red Planet. Red Whole Planet. bunch of Philip K. Dick books. Starring uh, um, Gary Sinise, is the, uh, that one? Uh, no, that's... Oh, the, the Val Kilmore one. Uh, yeah, the, the, the John Carpenter film Ghosts of Mars. Another terrible film about uh, Mars. Uh, Mission to Mars. Uh, the Brian De Palma. The, the Martian. Um, Mars Attacks. Martian Manhunter comic. We're, we're basically, uh, we're going to be... So you're going to be spending the whole, the whole trip... A lot of research. Um, really researching and really getting into what makes Mars, Mars. So Total recall. Total yeah. recall. Yeah, good, um, good. Uh, um, Robinson Crusoe on Mars. A <laughs> little, little known one. Yeah, uh, it is a little known, but it's a good movie. A good movie. Um, anyway, you want... Why should you guys be in charge of, of the Mars mission? Well, I think we clearly have a better handle of how to colonise something than, mm. than the other team, and, and we really have put some thought into this. We'd like to take as our model um, the British Empire and their <laughs> colonisation of the world. Right, um, right. I don't think anything bad has ever happened. <laughs> no. no. Um, they were very successful yeah, at colonising. So um, once we land on Mars, uh, we're going to set up three important things straight off the bat. That we've noticed have been present in all colonies at the yeah, British. Yeah, um, number one, a saloon. Um, yep. Number two, a strip club. Right. And number three, a gambling den of some sort. Right, right. And this will also solve all the problems about boredom on the way there because mm. we will be practising those Learning things. the games like yep. teaching croupiers <laughs> for when you arrive at Mars. Exactly, exactly. Right. I mean, right. we, we saw in the Martian that those rovers have to be charged every 30 kilometres or so. Plug them back in the hub, that's... That's uneconomical, so instead we'll bring um, ponies. We've learnt from Scott. Um, <laughs> so the, the great age yep. of Arctic ex- exploration has taught yep. us that ponies yep. are a good yep. thing. Yep. Um, we can eat them if we need to. Conventional horses, too big, take up too much room. Uh, ponies, um, same amount of horsepower, which is one. Because you've got to put everything into orbit, right? You've got to put yeah. everything into orbit, exactly. So ponies exactly. rather than horses. Yep. Um, we can grow potatoes and human excrement. <laughs> and the <laughs> pony poo. Um, yep. we'll, um, in our saloon, we'll be serving um, 
geographically hilarious um, cocktails based on uh, Mars regions, such as the Long Island Iced Terrenium and the uh, Six on Sudis Major. So, Very good. Uh, yeah. You guys have given this a lot of thought. Um, you're still looking pretty shabby over here, don't still believe it. Um, this is going to be a whole... This is like a, an, extra solar, you know, an extra planetary society. Mm. That you guys will be creating. I'm like, are you going to have any new rules? Are you like, is there anything you want to change from Earth? Like, is this, this is a chance for a new start. So, um, I mean, what do you think uh, your Martian society will look like? I think our Martian society will be uh, based based mostly around uh, skill with video games. Right. Yep. It's um, going to be a productive society. Yeah. Um, <laughs> particularly the uh, the Red Faction series. Um, <laughs> Again, going back to Mars themed. Yep. Stuff. Um, yep. Or uh, or the recently released the Technomancer, uh, which is set on Mars. <laughs> or uh, the Doom series. Or the Doom it, series. Our, uh, our, you... our, our elections will be decided through Doom um, uh, death matches. Right. Is there is there anything from Earth you want to get? You're looking forward to getting rid of or leaving behind? Is there something you will abolish on Mars? There will be none of this on Mars. Woody. Yes. Good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> there will be some things. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I think ideally you, you, you want to abolish you know, the negative things like you know, the isms of the, the society. The isms, but yep. the fact of the matter is when you delete one, you're going to have something else pop up. Right. So the fact of the matter is we know that there's going to be issues galore. So if we try to say there'll be no sexism on Mars, something else will pop up. Um, so yeah, we we can look at uh, yeah. Let's have none, no racist, no racism, or anything like that. All the bad things of the world. So Donald Trump will not be part of your Mars mission, is what you're saying, basically. Uh, he will be funding it. He will be funding <laughs> yes. it. Yep. Good. Um, and That's he'll about. be he'll his face will be providing a uh, a lookalike target for um, training missions. Good for your video game army, yes. um, guys. Guys, what, what's your uh, what's your Martian society going to be like? What's your what's your relationship going to be with the home planet? Are you going to strike out boldly? Um, are, are, you, are, you, are there any crew members that you should, that should be on your expedition in particular? You're going for this kind of British colonial model. Is there any, mm. anyone you think would help you with that? Yes, the youngest sons of the aristocracy. Right. Who are desperate for their own land. Yep. Um, eager to strike out and tame this wild planet. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. We'd, um, I'm just, just kind of criticising the other team here. They're, they're trying to get rid of uh, isms. Well, I mean, you try and... Colonize a planet without any organisms. It's, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not going to work very out very well. Um, so I feel like having sort of those kind of we're, broad blanket. Whereas you guys have so. got like a whole team of ponies up there. So that's, yeah, that's a whole a whole thing. bushel of ponies. Three bushels of ponies. Two tankets of ponies and eight ounces of powdered rhubarb. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> well, I think I think I think we've got a pretty good idea of, of both teams' uh, plans. Uh, we're turning the red planet pink over here, and uh, and uh, just just going to Mars and playing video games and reading books based on Mars. Uh, I think tomorrow. I think will prepare us uh, quite quite well. For quite well, if you ever go outside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, by the metric of audience applause, I would like you to. You've got to. You've got to can join. We, can, we, can we have closing statements? Oh, sure. Okay. Go on. Go on. Go. On. Give me a closing statement. The chances of anything going to Mars are a million to one. But if you have to pick, get our asses to Mars. Oh, very good. Very good. Not sure if it'll help. And, 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 and over, over here, uh, anyway, you wanna, have, you got a, have you got a closing statement? Anything you... We've already made some fairly strong yeah, statements. Yeah, that's so right. 
we may be prepared to rest on our um, laurels and, and, and the just, sun. just declare a, a, a wide state of Martian law. <laughs> <laughs> the sun never sets on the Martian Empire. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, you audience, you've, you've got to get on one of these rocket ships. Uh, who are you going to put your faith in? Uh, uh, the, the British colonial model or the video game slacker model? Those are your two choices. So... Um, so, Too valid method. Yeah, so if you think uh, you would like to go on the Mars mission, uh, with don't stop believing applause now. And if you think you'd like to get on any way you want it's uh, British Colony Expedition, applaud now. Well, somewhat unbelievably. <laughs> it looks like reading books about Mars while on Mars. <laughs> Has won through, so I have to declare the winner of that round. <laughs> Don't stop believing, give them the round of applause. Don't stop <laughs> we didn't stop, we believing. Didn't stop believing, and we never will. <laughs> and we never will. <laughs> that unexpected result <laughs> brings us to the end of the game. While Karen calculates the scores, let me remind you, of course, that you can find the Nerd Degree at nerddegree.com. Uh, we two podcasts going up. Every month, or come down and see us on the first Wednesday of every month at Orange Studios Live in Christchurch, where we learn more about venereal disease <laughs> every time. <laughs> Karen, we've we've all gone on a journey of a kind, really, this evening, haven't we? Uh, where do we end up? Well, our destination is that any way you want it, uh, reach thirty nine, but flag just before the finish line. Thanks to the audience's principled rejection of the British colonial model of space colonisation, uh, don't stop believing. Squeaked through with forty one points. Give them a round of applause, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. It's the end of another episode of the New Degree. Thanks to the Orange Studio team, and we will see you all next month. Found the opening theme music, but not the closing theme music. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank, Thank you for coming. You. Thank you. Uh, iTunes wanted me to affirm their terms and conditions. Oh. So. Oh. That's a whole other kettle of fish. I hope you didn't. Thanks, everyone. Oh, I couldn't get past it. That was the. That was it's the, the last that model was, of colonisation yeah. that we've got. Mm. Who else has colonised recently? The German colonisation. Yeah, let's follow the Nazi model of colonisation rather than the British Empire. Oh. Is that what you're suggesting? That's what you're saying. Colonisation. We were asked how to build a colony on Mars. The Nazis tried to. Uh, yeah. What's they your uh, colonial strategy? Uh, no, no, no sorry. Actually, an Argentinian model of colonisation on Antarctica, mm. where they sent people there to get pregnant and have babies. There are two civilian settlements. There. That's yeah. right. Yes. Because they thought if they could oh, say that people were no, born, people there, born there, they had birthright. Must be a thing. <laughs> uh,